of an eye. Life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies. Beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident, rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Season 2, Episode 14, Low on Options, Full of Prayers. Hello, everyone. As I was writing and putting this episode together, I was reminded of how close I feel you are to me. I love hearing from you, and I've been surprised and my heart has been warmed to meet some of you in person and to hear about your listening in. It is good we are doing this reflective work together, even if it is just a story you follow. We have many things ahead in our future together. I hope you are subscribed wherever you stream your podcasts, as that way I can send you invitations for neat happenings like the celebration that is underway because we have hit 25,000 listens. It's remarkable. For those of you who write me, I love that you do. Please keep your stories and comments coming to louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com. I am inspired by how you are inspired to look back at the times in your life when you thought or felt you were out of options or had no support or just felt very low. Well, in this episode, you will hear how I was carried in such similar times. And I want to talk further in the trauma healing learnings about the value of how we are carried by our community. You know, I remember very distinctly for myself back in 2015 in the hospital and on my drives that something was happening to me, something that was huge and that was changing my family, potentially, for the worst. Something scary, and I was terrified for what was happening to Archer, and what he was enduring, and how it would impact his long-term mental health, and well-being, and spiritual capacity. I would get these flashes like, if we make it out of here, How will we make it after that? And flashes of, I know we're being wounded. I know we'll have to look back and make sense of all this. Isn't that crazy? It was like I knew. I wonder if you have had such times as well. It was another reason why I wrote the Family and Friends Updates. Oh, my number one need was my community, but I also knew I needed to remember reality as it was and record it just like a journalist. 
because everything was happening so rapidly every day. And there was so much happening every day that I knew I could not remember it all. And you know what else? I had a sense of knowing I would want to remember it all and knowing that I would never be able to construct it on just memory. Maybe you too will journal if you find yourself in complex upside-down crises. And for those of you who are spiritual, you know what else? I was asking God for guidance all the time. I had another sort of knowing maybe from my years of knowing just enough about trauma, but I think also from angels that I would need a mechanism to track a reality that I was not able to process then. It was a different sort of knowing from a sort of quiet whisper in my conscience to keep writing, to create a real-time, accurate account, whatever it was. Maybe for this podcast, I don't know. But because I honestly believed that Archer Sempt would experience a miracle. Well, here we are. Welcome to episode 14, Low on Options, Full of prayers. In the last longer episode, you took a trip with me to Baltimore, which may have felt like being inside the mind of a worried parent for quite some time. Well, it will be a shorter episode today, as we were nearing an impasse. The situation at Atlantic Care was very complex, but I felt there was an emerging simplicity that no matter what, our family had community support outside the hospital and life would go on. Today's episode will include Archer blog entries that span a couple days because I had not posted a family and friends update since I left Atlanta Care to Baltimore to check out the rehabilitation options. We will start this time with the night I returned to Atlantic Care as fast as I could with Dutch after his soccer practices ended. Things seemed to have been under control, or at least status quo. We thought Archer's body was making progress to be able to leave, but we were wrong. In a matter of hours, we were one of those emergency surgeries in the ICU. Settle in, settle your spirit, anticipate something meaningful for yourself or for someone you love or someone you can talk to about what came up for you that was memorable. Something to help you look back again on life with a new insight. Here we go, back to August 2015, Atlantic Care Hospital, 
Trauma, I See You. Episode 14, Low on Options, Full of Prayers. Life can change in the blink of an eye. August 27th, 2015, Thursday, Day 23. Family and Friends Update. Prayer Warriors, another surgery today. This time, video-assisted thoracic surgery to repair a tear in Archer's right lung. It's an add-on, so we did not know the exact time, likely this afternoon. They continue to try to wean Archer off the chest tube to his lung, to a setting called water seal and to get the PEEP setting on the ventilator to five, both conditions needed for him to be stable enough to be transported. They brought the PEEP to six yesterday, which he seemed to tolerate until they put the chest tube on water seal. The next step to taking the tube out, but this move plummeted his oxygen saturation to a low no one is comfortable with, which is a pattern now for more than two weeks. The regular weaning of the left lung had some back and forth, but was then successful. But the right lung continues to be trouble. Archer's temperature spikes to 103.8 also continue to be trouble. They said he'll never be transportable from ICU here if they do not do this to try to get him off the right chest tube, which his lung requires because of what they believe is an air leak in the lung that will not repair. When I asked about why the constant bubbling, yet with intermittent not bubbling, that I see in the tube line, The surgeon explained to me that when it's not bubbling, it's likely Archer's lung repaired itself a number of times, in fact, but that the healed hole is blown open again by the pressure of the ventilator. That breaks my heart for him and his struggle. His body is trying so hard to do what it is naturally meant to do. So as I now would understand it, this situation is not from the C5 trauma itself, but is a result of being on the ventilator. Wow. This is the very reason we ask about alternatives to various pain and other medications since one need or problem often begets another problem, it seems to me. And so it is with the ventilator he needs for life support, but the creation of a pneumothorax in the lung as a result. They wonder why the situation persists, so they need to scope to see what is preventing the intermittently healed hole in the lung from expanding to the walls of the ribs and the chest 
as it should. Is it tissue? Fluid? Adhesions? And then staple it as necessary because they won't risk a mistake in transport where the large plastic lung tube, which is literally stuck straight into Archer's side like a lance with a hole the size of a dime, might become dislodged. This is very possible, the chief said, because the tube is big and long and unwieldy, about 10 or more feet, and it feeds into a machine that a tech needs to walk alongside Archer to carry for him for any movement. And there would be many moves of his body in the transport process that could lead to a situation we do not want. That's code for fatality. In addition to the lance-like holes that will need to heal on both sides of his abdomen, this thoracic surgery will leave three more scars on his right chest. I said to Archer, I guess that's the price of admission. He gently nodded. He also mouthed in the middle of the night, if I could play more nature music very softly. He and his body are trying very hard to heal. Please pray Billy's and my consent to this surgery is the right decision. Please pray we can leave this trauma ICU soon. The chief of trauma said, Archer is beyond their ability to care for him now. So dear family and friends and angels, if we could all collectively imagine today Archer breathing freely and unfettered and at ease, really imagine it right now. Since we all know the joy of what that feels like, really feel into your whole being that joy that comes from your breath and your easy capacity to fill your lungs with air on the inhale and the relief and peace you feel emotionally on the exhale. Notice even once today that solid and expansive emotional feeling you have when you focus on one or more breaths. And let's create the energy field for Archer that will support his recovery to move off this lung tube, no longer needing it, and eventually no longer needing the ventilator. I know it is possible I hope you believe it is possible too. Please 
believe it is possible with me. And with this feeling of well-being that I am doing with Archer right now, pray. Pray with this emotional feeling. The Blessed Mother holds him close as she intercedes. I know this, and so do you. He is being held in her loving arms. Through God's beneficence, Archer is alive, and his body feels strong enough to keep fighting, and his heart is strong not to give up. Please feel that, and please don't give up on anything hard today in your life. We have so many blessings all around us. And thank you again and again for your love and collective prayers. Amen. Archer Strong, XO. Update at 2.15 p.m. Surgery set for 2.30 p.m., about 90 minutes. We know what we need to do. Prayers up. Sending love. 3 p.m. Surgery's been delayed because Archer's oxygen saturation rate is dropping too low. Trying a nebulizer. The label says, a drug delivery device used to administer medication in the form of a mist inhaled into the lungs in his ventilator hose through the trach. 3.20 p.m. They just wheeled him flying down the corridor for surgery. We'll be in the OR for 90 minutes. Archer Strong. I had the chance to interview Dr. Edward Hamity, whom you have met in prior episodes. We were running low on options again. I had questions to this day that I wanted to review with Dr. Hamity. Here is another excerpt with the Chief of Critical Care at Atlantic Care Hospital and the Head of Pulmonary and Archer's Chief Surgeon. Is there anything you can that's, that comes to your mind now in all your years and your wisdom as to what may have literally happened on impact or why he, because then it was bilateral. Right. Uh, I think what happened was usually in a young person who has a traumatic injury, it is just a physical blow to the chest and a contusion to the lung. In his case, though, because he was underwater and trying to breathe, he created a great deal of negative pressure in his lungs, and it literally just popped both of them. And I think that that's the explanation as he was struggling to get air into his lungs. Of course, he was underwater at that point and inhaled water. Uh, and I do think that that probably was the mechanism of injury. And that's why it was on both sides, because of course, when you're trying to breathe, you use both of your lungs. And if the pressure is high and it exceeds the, the limits that the tissue can handle, you're going to have some injury there. And I believe that's what happened with him. So to go back, 
normally when there's a little hole in the lung, we put the chest tube in and we hook it up to suction. And essentially, it the air that has escaped from the lung gets trapped between the lung and the inside of the chest wall. We remove that, the lung expands, and when it expands and, and meets the inside of the chest wall, it, it sort of forms a bond and the leak heals itself and, and goes away. With Archer, that did not happen. It's not 100%, it didn't happen. And there are tricks we try, we increase the suction pressure, we do this and we do that, and we try to get the lung lining up against the inside of the chest wall lining so that that bond can form. That never happened with him. And the leaks remained persistent and large. So we had to go to the next step, which in his case is literally going in and looking at the, the area of damage. And then they just put a little clamp across that area of damage. And then they cut the whole part off at the top of that clamp. And then they suture the remaining portion shut. And that's what he had. He had a wedge resection, as we call it, because it's only a tiny little, little bit of the lung that's removed, but it's the section of the lung that contains that hole that's not healing. And then once that was sealed up, in order to help his lung, again, bond to the inside of the chest wall, chemicals were put in that irritate the lining on the outside of the lung and the inside of the chest wall so that some scar tissue forms and provides further protection to to strengthen that area of the lung where the hole is so that it doesn't come apart again so he had both of those procedures done and thank god they worked yeah so there was then a there was then another procedure in between the wedge section and the uh, pleurodesis that was that was another staple or is that just another wedge section he had in between i believe he had something we call a vats which is a video assisted thoracoscopic procedure to make a small hole between the ribs they put a scope up in there they don't open up the chest and they don't open up the lung and they can can see with the scope where the hole is and they can, they do have some devices they can put through the scope. And I, I do believe they attempted to, to close it uh, through a video procedure as opposed to a full-blown surgery. Again, trying to minimize the stress on his body, trying to reduce the number of times he has to have anesthesia because all of that takes a toll. And his reserve was being put to full use by his body just to stay alive and to try to heal. So everything that we do is to minimize secondary harm, as we say. Right. So I believe that he had that procedure as well. I was learning about secondary harm, how one thing so begets and leads to another. Archer had nine uh, general anesthesia. I know. Archer, I know. In that period of time. With, with his body so in such bad shape. So it is just another, another miracle. And thank you for those explanations. I'm, I'm wondering if, um, you know, I've always wondered about the length of time, the more he was on the ventilator and the paradox with, you know, trying to set the peep settings and the, the um, pressure 
that right. the ventilator is trying to put into his body to, right, to puff up his lungs right. and, and the holes that are preventing the lungs to adhere to the chest walls and, and preventing him from actually even being able to take advantage of a ventilator. Mm -hmm. it's just uh, so it's, that is one of the most difficult uh, scenarios for using a mechanical ventilator. <clears throat> you have to, the idea of course is to reduce the outflow from the holes because we know that the, the more the pressure, the bigger the hole gets, the less chance that it, it is that it's going to close. But nevertheless, there's a certain minimal amount of air that he has to get into his lungs in order to get the oxygen across and get the waste gas we call carbon dioxide out. So it is trying to balance that in such a way that he has adequate ventilation and we do the least harm or, or put the least pressure through those holes so that we give them a chance to close. In his case, there was no sweet spot. There wasn't a balance where we could do both. And so we ended up having to mechanically treat the holes in his lungs. And that's just you know a marker for how severe his lung injury actually was. Because again, the lungs were injured internally by the salt water. And then of course he developed the pneumonia. So there were there was an infection portion of it that impairs lung healing. He really had the bad domino effect. You know, it just it just kept one domino kept falling onto the other, and it was taking each one of those, doing our maximal therapy, and hoping that we could get to the part where it turned around. It was an unbelievable three going on four weeks in the trauma intensive care unit. I'd always wondered why Archer had had bilateral lung punctures when he had not had a major blow to his chest. Over five years later, now I know. But no one had explained it back then. And I didn't know how to ask. All I knew is that it didn't make sense that he arrived healthy but for a shattered neck and had all these pulmonary issues that had us on the brink of having no more options to keep him alive. It was so ironic. My God, to think he held his breath for that long under that kind of pressure in the ocean water. Oh my God, Archer, my darling. It was just Dutch and I then at the hospital with Archer as we waited for him to come out of this surgery. I do not know where Billy was. There were sometimes full days when none of us knew. Dutch and I paced the Roman corridors for what seemed forever, waiting for the results of the surgery. I was saying a rosary aloud, and Dutch was joining me. In Hail Marys and Our Fathers. We had never prayed like that before. We were holding hands and would stop our pacing and practically stare each other down with the fervor of our litany as we'd say, 
the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. I felt our intensity as we seem to find an unspoken rhythm of alternating the verses of prayer. I'd say, Our Father, who art in heaven, and Dutch would say, Hallowed be thy name. And I knew Dutch was with me. And we would then say together, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As if together we would will Archer to make it through. I was keenly aware of how powerful it felt united like that. And I knew, I knew our prayers were reaching Archer. I just knew it. I concentrated so hard on trying to stay pure to whatever is your will, God. I closed my eyes and envisioned again the soft golden light surrounding Archer, just like when I saw him on the first night on that gurney before his first neck surgery when he told me he had talked with God. Please, Lord, help me to do your will. Day 23 continued. Thursday, August 27th, 2015. Surgery update, 6 p.m. Hallelujah. We've been on needles and pins wondering why it's taking so long, but having faith. Archer's cardiac thoracic surgeon just came to find me with the news that the surgery was challenging and complex ventilator-wise, but with a good outcome. Thank you, God and Our Lady. They had a hard time keeping Archer's oxygen saturation high enough. They put in a bronchial blocker, gave Arch time to rest and regain between each move. And he did very well. He entered surgery on the highest ventilator setting, not good, and went through surgery at 50%, much, much better. And with only one lung functioning, which shows he actually has reserves. Go, Archer. So he's a lot better off than some might think. Only downside reported is that he does not have now just one large plastic tube in his side and insides, but a second one, even larger. So I'll call that his hose used for drainage. Hopefully, both will no longer be needed after four days. And the surgeon added, his lungs, like his heart, are very healthy looking. Our lion-hearted son, thank you 
to all the believers, including his surgeon. I'm waiting for him now in his room. Thanks be to God. And to all the prayer warriors and archers army. We are winning this fight. One battle at a time. Fighting with love and faith. Sending you love. Amen. Yes, I knew we had an army of prayer warriors. Archer's army, as they had begun to call themselves. It was also on this day that one of Archer's close friends, Jackson Morrill, whom he had played lacrosse with as a boy and at McDonough School in Baltimore, texted me with a design to approve to print up T-shirts for Archer's Army. I was so moved. It's kind of funny, though, because as the design evolved, well, I don't like to get in the way of creativity. The design was a silhouette of young people in war garb holding a large gun. No doubt about it, it was an army, all right. War. And it honestly felt that way at times in our fight to stay alive. But that is not quite the image of the army I had in mind for our fight. Jackson kindly modified the draft design and thousands and thousands of kids I learned wore those t-shirts. Thank you, Jackson. I'll introduce you to Jackson in another episode and to Craig Pfeiffer and to Jackson's mom, Mary Page Michael, other generous people behind the scenes for Archer's Army. It's amazing what one or two people can do to ignite a community in the spirit of love and generosity for another's benefit. I'll post a picture of the t-shirts on the Blink of an Eye podcast website. Midnight. Oh my goodness, you won't believe it. A friend of Archer's from his school, McDonough, just sent this photo. It's of a prayer vigil held tonight, I guess I have to say last night, at Paula's school, the friend's school. It's a sight I will hold in my heart forever. I can't imagine such love. Archer is very loved. We all need each other. Here are other pictures of the vigil too, taken by family friend and photographer, Mary Carol Curran. Amen. If you can imagine a large hill in the nighttime, dark, but covered with small flickers of light, covered, that is what was in the photo. It took my breath away. And as I looked closer at other photos sent, in the sea of people, in the darkness of the night, holding candles, 
I spotted Billy. The text messages said he had addressed a large crowd of so many young people. Wow. That would be something he had never done before. It's not Billy's thing to speak publicly off the cuff. And someone also sent me a copy of the newscast on a Baltimore television station. They had covered it too. Billy was anchored by a faith that believed in miracles too. I knew that. And we still believe, even if the miracles we hoped for didn't come to pass. Yet. Over five years after that prayer vigil, as I began to reach out with the blink of an eye interviews to find out more of what was also happening behind the scenes, I followed the cookie crumbs on the planning of this community vigil to the woman who began it all, Carrie Lycus. You will hear from her in another episode too. I had assumed the community vigil was put together by someone at Friends School where Paula worked. But I'd always wondered since Archer's schools were Cathedral and McDonough. I learned it was two Cathedral moms, friends from back in the day. I had no idea of the connection until recently. Archer and our family needed those community prayers in every way. I found more voice memos on my notepad on my phone. I'm still struck to this day how necessary it was to remind myself of the date and day of the week. It was like a life force to do so. 8-28-15 Day 24 Friday For the first time in over three weeks, it appears Archer is resting for a period of time. He is thin. Estimated, he's lost 15 to 20 pounds. Not surprising, but heartbreaking on his initial 240 calories a day drip diet. And now, his 1,500 calories a day liquid feeding tube with the loss of a day of any sustenance for every surgery he's had under general anesthesia, which have been four, plus the other four surgeries. Along with weight loss is the loss of muscle. It's so important that his body is strong enough soon to support him in a safe transport and to get him started on real rehabilitation before he atrophies much further. Please pray that we make the best decision about our next steps and rehabilitation choices for Archer, since we need to decide where that is very soon. The trauma ICU hospital here 
says there is nothing more they can do for him at this point as we near four weeks. We are also waiting for him to be strong enough for a conversation about it. Please pray for us today as a family that those conversations are guided and inspired by the energy field of God's love, which comes through you, the prayer warriors. We absolutely feel the power of your prayers. I saw another picture of the prayer vigil last night. Thank you for sending. Wow, it was amazing. You are so amazing. I also saw a clip from the TV station today. It's attached for those not there. Well, Archer Sims broke his neck in what really amounts to a freak accident when he went swimming. Now his friends and family are really rallying around him with love and praying that he makes a full recovery. As I look out tonight, I can say that, you know, I very much feel that we're surrounded with your love and your prayers. Billy. I am so proud of you and Paula for all you did. And I am strengthened, Dewey, that you could be there too. Everyone there and everyone not there physically, but there in spirit is amazing. You all are amazing. We are so grateful. Please do not let a day go by without feeling our gratitude. God will surely bless you. Archer has not seen it yet, but I know he is feeling it as he is in a deep place healing right now as he sleeps. As he came out of the anesthesia last night, he desperately wanted water, which I swabbed in his mouth and over his tongue with a little sponge and a suction so he would not aspirate. He mouthed to me thereafter for nature sounds with a reminder plea of very quiet. As I asked each medical person to please whisper, he also did not want any movement or touching and was in excruciating pain that was registering all over his upper back from, I suspect, those two large tubes in his right side. All of that was happening at the exact time of the prayer vigil. I left him in a warm blanket draped around his head like an Egyptian pharaoh as he closed his eyes for a deep rest. We will await his mental strength to return. I wanted to share with you that the tree in our backyard 
that shed her leaves and wept with me many days ago is alive and very green this morning as I exited our outdoor shower. Isn't that remarkable? One of the Cape May angels mowed our grass, which mulched many of the fallen brown leaves, so no one would hardly know that tree's grief unless you looked closely to the small traces around her trunk. Here's a picture of her beautiful green boughs today. Thinner, but still green. Last night, as I drove home, after Pete and Dutch came to rest bedside with Archer for the night shift, I had to stop for gas. The law in New Jersey requires an attendant. It was late. The Muslim man who pumped my gas asked me in his Arab accent, heading into Atlantic City? No, I replied. He returned from pumping my gas and handed me my credit card and receipt. I said thank you, and I started my car engine. He remained standing outside my car window, and he said, Ma'am, please tell me how I might help you. I was struck, really struck. I turned, and we looked right into each other's eyes. His so kindly behind his glasses. And I said, I imagine you pray. And if you don't, perhaps you might consider and say a little prayer for my son. And he replied, Yes, mother, I already have since I met you. Oh, angels, good people. We all have so much capacity to extend love to each other. I am a grateful recipient. Thank you. Our family thanks you. Please pray to the Blessed Mother Mary a quiet prayer today for Archer's strength and our discernment about our next steps. Amen. Prayers. Community prayers. People. I was reminded at how much we are all interconnected. We are, and we do need each other. I felt very close to God and to that Muslim man and to each of the children wearing Archer's Army t-shirts and each of the adults wearing Pray for Archer green wristbands and each person 
who lit a candle at the Friends School prayer vigil. Each one of those actions was a decision to serve, to belong, to contribute to a community energy field for Archer's healing. I know that. And I knew it was not his time to die. Not yet. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Thank you for tuning in to the Blink of an Eye story. You may continue listening this Saturday to the trauma healing learnings that accompany this story at Trauma Healing Learning 14. Low on options. Full of prayers. Thank you for listening and telling your friends. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com.